Sonic States. Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 112. I know 12 feels Christmassy somehow. It's the 12th month and it's getting up for Christmas. This, in fact, is going to be our last one before Christmas. So ho, ho, ho and happy Christmas to everybody. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to uh, our chat, live chat room people who are um, there in force today. Um, hello, everybody. I'll do a virtual wave and you can do a virtual wave back to me. Uh, of course, we can be found at sonicstate.com forward slash live. Uh, but not until, I think, January the 7th. That's probably when we're going to be coming back to it, because uh, next week, I don't fancy doing it on Christmas Eve particularly, and uh, I'm sure nobody else does, and um, I can't be bothered to do one on, I think it's New Year's Eve either. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, much as I love you all, I would like some time off. So that's just the way it's going. So, um, hello, that little chuckle you heard there was my first guest. I may as well introduce you. is Dave Spears from G4Software.com. Hello. How are you doing, Dave? I'm all right, actually. Yeah, busy. Good. Good, good, good. You're going to clear the deck? When are, you, when are you stopping work for Christmas? Then? Christmas? When's that? <laughs> it's the bit between <laughs> between oh, now and Nam. <laughs> I think I did uh, I think I did some shopping yesterday, but I did hear that real men do leave it till Christmas Eve and then only get it from a garage. Petrol. I feel that's a... Yeah, I might see if they, that there's quite a lot of garage. Well, there's one big garage ran by me, so maybe I'll just give it a try. They might have a good selection of something. <laughs> Yeah, everyone's getting charcoal this year. Oh, that's nice. If that, but you could get them a pink chaosolator if, if the garage sold chaosolators. Do you see that? There's a pink one out now. Really? Yeah, little it's... pink pink chaosolators just been announced. There's a few, a limited run. As I put in the news, I just put it up on the news, and uh, as I put, um, imagine the delight on your loved one's face as she opens it up. As he yeah. opens it up, or he opens it up, <laughs> yeah. and go. you can say, "But darling, we can make beautiful music together now." Or something like that. Anyway, I don't know. Whether, I don't think they cost any more. Uh, more chuckles. Anyway, um, Rich Hilton, uh, I, I heard you there from, uh, well, it's probably snowy and wintry in Connecticut at the moment. Oh, but it oh, may not oh, be. Oh, oh. oh, very good. Are you doing any Christmas, uh, Father Christmas a- action this year? Well, we kind of uh, have a sort of a broad-based ecumenical kind of holiday season where we have Hanukkah and Christmas around here. Hanukkah, okay. Hanukkah being the actual holiday and Christmas being more of a nice day to have a bunch of people over and share gifts, you know, who All right. who didn't make Hanukkah. Um, so, yeah, there's actually, I'd say, a solid quarter inch of snow. <laughs> PJ, <laughs> PJ must be laughing uproariously. There's next to no snow here. And, uh, nah, whereas those people have been getting pummeled. Oh, we have been getting pummeled. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, well, that's PJ. Well, uh, just before I introduce you, PJ, uh, Rich Hilton, of course, and myspace.com slash... Hiltonius. So I hope you're going to get a nice restful period over the, the summer holiday, uh, the Christmas holiday even. And um, uh, Niall hasn't got any kind of uh, surprising Christmas-related gigs to throw at you at the last minute, although I'm sure you'd be accommodating as much as you could. I'd love a gig, uh, but I suspect it's going to be, uh, at some point, an intense crush of studio work in the next two weeks. Right, get it all out of the way. Well, there's something pending that we're working on, so right, got to be done. Okay, well, good luck with that. Anyway, um, next up is our a fe- another fellow chuckler. That was uh, PJ Tracy from uh, Minneapolis, where he's, um, well, I don't know whether he's, he can see the Emmy he won from his window, but I'm sure he can think about it a lot. How are you, PJ? <laughs> Hi, how are you, Nick? It's, yeah, good. 
It's freezing here today. I think today the temperature is going to top out at about 5 degrees Fahrenheit with a wind chill of about 25 below. Uh, there is plenty of snow on the ground, and I feel like I spend most of the time scraping ice off of my wife's windshield. Yeah, I seem to be the one who gets to do that in the mornings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, did that. I did that this morning, actually. It's much more fun, much more fun yeah. scraping ice off of your wife. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, as you get her out of the freezer, you mean, Rich? Come on, I think we're saying the wrong thing. <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah. But other what than basement? that, I don't have one. Other than that, um, things are good. Are it's you winding more- down or is it winding up? It's for me actually. It's winding up. Um, this past weekend, we, uh, my studio mate and I, participated in a, a large art show here in Minneapolis, doing some of our projection work. It was great. I have to say, it was probably the best. Uh, you know, our, our work aside, I think it was the best art show I've seen in about two years. Just fantastic work. About thirty artists, artists participated, and it was uh, yeah, it was really really great. And then. Um, Working on into January here, I'm I'm uh, I'm writing a bunch of music for a couple of news packages locally here. So pe- people's licenses are all expiring as of the first of January, and so I, ah, I right. get to fill in the spaces. All right, so you you working on a lot of kind of actually, thankfully, no. Uh, <laughs> people want to go in a completely different direction, and so that's why they've I guess they've turned to me is. They they want to do something that's a little more modern and up to date and sounds more like, uh, you know, pop music and uh, stuff that sounds like theme songs on television, you know, now rather than that sort of old bombastic uh, pseudo orchestral right. new stuff from the and, mid- of, course, and of course you're hot because you won an Emmy and everybody wants to uh, hire the Emmy winning composer. I I wish that were true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh come on. <laughs> I don't care if you won an Emmy, you're still too expensive. Exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. Both dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Double yeah. figures. <laughs> we want both dollars. Well, any, anyway, PJ, it's great to have you aboard. Glad you could spare the time. Uh, everybody could spare the time to be with us. Uh, PJ Tracy, of course. PJTracyMusic.com, where you can find all your PJ-related needs. Or well, most of them, probably, eh, PJ? <laughs> yeah, <at> most. <laughs> <laughs> and most of them. Yeah. Still working on some of those videos, I realise. Um, exactly. Okay. Where should we go first? Oh, did anyone... Uh, did th- I'll do the comments last week, um, because uh, there was... Uh, oh, Matt Player um, sent an email saying he had a few ideas for the uh, G-Force st- um, Stylophone emulation. The uh, Stylophony, <laughs> the Stylotone, and the Style of Phone. Any of those goers, Dave? Probably not. No, fair enough. And he also had a, he also had a great... Hammer comes down. Yeah, okay, thank you. And I think you should just call it the G-Force style. You know, G-Force, oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. simple. Oh, Dave just disappeared. I think he fell off his chair when he heard the Fell off his chair, he was laughing so much. He's, he's, he's run for the hills. We should just call oh, it the Dave. G, what? <laughs> Rob G.S. just said you went off in a creative huff. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, if only. Yes, please take it more seriously. I yes. got as far as PJ saying a G4, so you should call it the G4, and then it all went dead. <laughs> I was saying, Dave, you should call it the G4 style. Just simple, you know, black, black lettering on a white package. There you go. Oh, yeah. Right. 
cool. That's assuming we are actually going to do a starter fan, of course. Yeah, <laughs> assuming you were going to. Um, I know what, did anyone see um, the Stuart in the comments put something about Play Auditorium? Did you see that? Yes. Did anyone see that? Yes. I, I played, tried. I played with it. Let yep. me just play a little bit of a clip and then we can um, maybe discuss it. That was the kind of intro that you get at the splash screen. I, I didn't get much chance to do any research on this, but I did play it, and it's... How would we describe it? It's a kind of musical game, musical visual game, and it was quite intriguing. Dave, um, uh, Dave, Rich, you said you played it. What did you think? I couldn't stop playing it. Really? It's, it was so much fun. I thought it was great. I, I, you know, the music was almost the least of it to me, although the music was good. Um, but it was just... I thought on a human interface level... It was fantastic. It was. I really like all that kind of glowing light stuff. Basically, you move. You have all these puzzles to solve, and you have to divert these kind of... It's like ne- neutrons or something like that that kind of shoot through space. It's like a plasma beam. Uh, I'm sort of... It's a bit abstract, anyway. And you rotate it around these various things that you have on screen to fill up these um, they're kind of receptacles. And when they're full, you kind of win a musical phrase. I think that's kind of roughly how I'd put it. And uh, I played it for a while, and it was kind of fun. Did, is there any kind of payoff, or is it just sort of the process? Um, I don't know, because I only got I got about 10 levels, you know, 10 boards deep, which is, I don't know, the middle of the second level or something, or maybe eight boards deep. So I right. didn't get all the way to the end, but because I had other show prep to do. But Yeah, that's something else that actually was important. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. <laughs> Yeah, playauditorium.com, as you'd expect. Anyone else have a chance to look at it? Dave Spears? I think it's Flash-based, isn't it? It must be. It's very, very good. Very addictive. I have to be really careful with things like this, because I can lose hours. There was a physics game recently where you had to kind of get a ball from one place to another using all sorts of things. And, I mean, I lost a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) And where did it get you? Uh, I did manage to do most of them. But, uh, yeah, almost at the expense of a marriage. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ah, yes. Mm. Oh, well, that was fun, though. But so thanks to Stuart for posting that. And I recommend if any of you've got any uh, time on your hands, it's a very elegantly kind of, it's just like a musical widget game thing. And it's kind of fun. So thanks to Stuart for posting that. Also, Anomaly uh, said, or Anomaly, possibly, if I've uh, maybe I've cut off some of his letters of his nick, um, there is a capacitive stylus for the iPhone or iTouch. Apparently, they already have them. You can get it. Uh, and there's a link. So you, you get a pen that kind of works and does that stuff, because we were talking about Mark maybe having to form his finger into some kind of stylus-type thing, because um, for, for added pointability for use on the iStylophone. So anyway. That's some sort of... Those at, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, PJ. I was going to say you can get one of those at thinkgeek.com if you want. Okay. I was going to let Mark know that. I saw it this week. So, Mrs. Mark, if you're listening... <laughs> Might be a good tip if you can get one delivered in time, and and hopefully quite reasonably priced. It's kind of redefining well-dressed computer geek. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's one of these kinds of accessories that you just have to have. Wouldn't it Absolutely. be great if it actually worked as a pen as well? Wouldn't that be crazy? Then you need a pocket protector for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, like yeah, something yeah. more like what <laughs> Harry. I'd like. I'd like something more like what Harry Potter carries, please. 
All right, all right, like a wizened piece of oak. Yeah. Nice. It does all that cool stuff. I think I've got one of those about my person somewhere. But <laughs> does it have a phoenix tail feather in it? I think it's capa- I think it works with capacitance as well. I haven't tried it, but maybe I will when I get. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, um, so what should we do first? Should we do the YouTube synth- Symphony Orchestra? Oh sure, that was quite good, wasn't it? I'm going to play it. I've got this new gizmo. It's called. Um, Oh, what's it called? I'll click on the window. It's called Soundbite, and it's like a, a player cart. You drop all these files into it, and you can set the levels on them, and you can set hotkeys on them and things, and they'll play as you wish them to be. So uh, now I'm going to play this one. This is Tandun. I'm very excited to bring the YouTube Symphony Orchestra to you. Join us. Join us. Join us. Join us in creating the world's first collaborative online orchestra. It's a wonderful opportunity to create, share, and perform new music, no matter what instrument you play. Here's what you need to do. Participating is easy. Go to the prepare tab, download the cheap music, grab your instrument, and rehearse your part. Practice it and practice it and practice it. And after you've practiced and you're ready to submit, do your best. Record yourself playing, then submit that video to YouTube. This is such an exciting project for us because it's never been done before. It's global. The best and bravest of you will be invited to a performance at Carnegie Hall under the direction of Michael Tilson Thomas. Don't be intimidated. Play with your heart and give it all you've got. Really play with imagination and be yourself because that's what's going to come across best of all. Do it now. Upload those videos. Really want to see your plan. Let me help you. Let's do it together. Hey. So, um, I think you get the gist of it. Basically, it's a great idea, and it's sort of shown up on all the pages of YouTube. It's about, um, I think they're aiming for people who can play any sort of classical instrument, who uh, can read, sight-read, presumably. You could go, and this guy called Tan Dun, who I d- I'm not familiar with, I'm guessing he's a kind of composer, conductor of some note. You download the music uh, for your particular instrument, and there's a whole selection of them. There's strings, violas, timpani, you know, all sorts of brass, piano, everything. You download the piece, he'll conduct you, uh, via another YouTube video, and then you film yourself doing it, and you 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 submit it, and you either get to participate in the kind of mass online collaboration, or if you're really good, you might get selected for a performance at Carnegie Hall. And it just what a great idea! I mean, it seems like a a brilliant collaborative use of YouTube and some great technology. You download the the score in a kind of nice PDF format. Rich, you're a kind of classical kind of guy as well as PJ. What did you make of this? You know anything about Tandun? Uh, well, I saw uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and was very impressed with the music because between him and Yo-Yo Ma, who plays throughout the movie, it's just incredibly good. But uh, I think this is a fascinating idea. I think it's great that he wants to do it. And uh, looking over the score briefly, uh, should presu- could produce an interesting piece of music. So Yeah, I didn't really get a chance to watch the whole thing, in, uh, you know, to, to check all of the score parts, but when you download a piece, does the recording that you're listening to have what you're supposed to be doing with everything else, like a mix minus? I just pulled down the score. I, I just selected other as an instrument, and it's giving me a, basically a conductor's score. Oh, so if you, ch- you select other, you could sort of go, I know, I want to play the, I don't know, Berenbaun, or the, as somebody said, the Juno. <laughs> You could, I suppose, could you? Nose flute. Nose flute, yeah, whatever. The iStylophone. 
<laughs> there you go. Whatever, you know, whatever. If you can pull it off on a video and make them go, wow, apparently they'll give you something to do. It seems like a great idea and a great use of this kind of democratic software that they've they've written. I mean, I still don't see how they're going to make any money out of it, but it's a great piece of publicity and it's a really good idea. PJ, are you tempted? Oh, I think it's a fantastic idea. Uh, as far as participating, I I don't think I probably I don't think I probably do that. But I think it's an it's an amazing idea, and I I hope it continues. I hope that this Good finds uh, finds facility. But it could could generate an actual um, a template for similar online collaborations. Yeah, couldn't it? exactly. In a lot of ways, could work that way. How about um, how about you, Dave? What do you think? Yeah, I'm dusting off my spoons as we speak. <laughs> Dave Spears on the spoons. Play the spoons. I'd pay to see that. I tell you what, just do it anyway, and then put it on YouTube and upload it and say, you can have a kind of, why wasn't I selected? And we can have a whole kind of thread that sort of was, get Dave, get Dave selected. What's wrong with the spoons? You classical people are so stuffy. Yeah, they're not analogue. <laughs> Digital uh, spoons. Yeah, he's, he's never, not as good spoons. as look. Eye spoons. I think it's lethal. Something like this could be absolutely... I mean, I, think, I do think it's brilliant, seriously, but it, it also could be really dangerous knowing the amount of blaggers that are out there, particularly when we talked last week about, you know, how we got into this business. There must be an awful lot of people dusting off the old violin now. I think so. The recorder that I played in grade one, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is that with with such a large catchment as this, and I mean, this is being promoted on every single page. The chances are that they're going to get what they need. I mean, it might be a <coughs> a sort of fairly uncomfortable X factor kind of distillation process. Who has to go through all those videos, though? That's the question. You know, I bet it's not Tandem. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take a guess on that, but I'm fairly sure I'd be right. <laughs> I don't know, there must be a great... I, I'd love to see the briefing document that says, you know, if this, then next stage. If that, you know. Yeah, we'll have to this, ask Tendon's uh, assistants whether or not they think this is a brilliant idea. Yeah. Sometime in the middle of April when they've gone through video number 30,000 of somebody playing the viola. Well, maybe we should organise a whole selection of people just to just to sort of <laughs> s- submit monosynths. <laughs> Where, like the MS-20 with that clarinet patch, you know, that sort of stuff. You know, all of the kind of the terrible patches that you get. That might be fun. Well, it might not. It might be terrible, but it's a great idea. Great idea. Um, um, anything else about it? Uh, there's The other thing that you get, as part of the bundle, there's a load of LSO, London Symphony Orchestra players, who are giving, like, little masterclasses on how to approach certain sections in the music, so for each mm-hmm. instrument type, which is really cool. That is a great idea. And, there, you know, there's... Uh, I forget the name of the lady, but she's doing... Uh, violin she's saying right well you should use the bowing that's written in the music forget about that you're never going to be able to play it fast enough you should do it like this and she's showing and i I watched that and i thought well that if i was a classically trained musician or at least learning that would that sort of thing would be really useful generally and so it's a fair obviously a fairly major project that they've already kind of undertaken no i think things like that are invaluable brilliant Mm, even from an electronic perspective yeah, I can see why. There's a part where the piece just it keeps accelerating, and at some point here, they're up to 180 beats per minute towards oh my the God. end. Is that the jungle movement? It keeps accelerating by tens uh, at the end, and and it's a really good. I mean, on paper, it looks great. I think this is going to be quite an interesting piece of music. 
January the 29th is the deadline. I'm not sure if that's the actual time that they start doing it or whether that's the deadline for submissions. I'm not sure. It's called Infant Internet Symphony Number no. 1 Eroica by Tan Dun. Uh, and yeah, that was kind of it. And at this point, I'd just like to say thank you very much to our show sponsors, Yamaha Music Production uh, from the UK, especially Peter Peck, who's been very uh, supportive over the years. Uh, just like to draw your attention to the Pocket Track 2G, which is a fantastic palm sized portable USB audio recorder. Uh, it's got a uh, built in mics, it's also got line in, it's got limiter, it's got also got an onboard confidence speaker so you can listen back to hear what's been going on, which you can also play back at double speed, so for transcribing, very useful. You can use it for recording band rehearsals, uh interviews, backing up podcasting via, uh, via the line in. Sounds great, is great, comes come bundled with Cubase AI and a case and all sorts of things. Go check it out at Yamahasynth.com when is a keyboard solo okay? Now, I know this might not seem, um, it might seem a bit flippant, and indeed is, frankly, but, because it seems like you're not allowed to do them anymore. I mean, if you play an organ solo, it's okay. If you play a piano solo, that's acceptable. But any other form of keyboard solo, synthesizer or anything like that, is not okay. You're not allowed to do it anymore. And uh, are we missing out on a whole, whole area of uh, musical stuff that um, we should be being exposed to just by the prejudice of... Uh, Contemporary society, or not? I have this uh, rather marvellous um, piece of music by uh, Brett Domino, who's a, a sort of comedy <laughs> superstar from YouTube, uh, and he's done a rather marvellous rendition of Michael Jackson's Beat It with a couple of mates, uh, the Brett Domino Trio. I'd just like to play that for you. get the idea i mean you know I, that's perhaps a little bit um unfair on brett because he's obviously doing his best on his guitar there but what do you think i mean rich you are um often playing live gigs and what have you are you uh, called upon very often to do the keyboard solo and is it uh, is it only only piano ones or only you know is there only certain voices that you're allowed to use or one would feel was appropriate or how does it work well uh there was a time in where in the show each member of 10 piece band got a I don't know, eight or 16 bar feature that I would play a solo every night. Uh, we've sort of, that's sort of not in the show lately, but, um, but just the last show we did at some point in the middle of the ballad, no less, the singer turns and goes play. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I started playing a solo. Um, a, a ballad, a solo ballad was that, and you did it on the pia- piano, I guess would make sense for that. Or was yeah, it, um, it ended or- up me and Cherie, the other keyboardist, trading stuff off, which is something she had been discussing with me anyway. It was really cool. It was kind of this wonderful moment of serendipity that nobody knew was coming in the show. It was great. But anyway, apart from, you know, necessarily what I played, but, uh, I'm a reluctant soloist. Nobody tells me what kind of sounds to use. I tend to play piano sounds most of the time but sometimes i take an organ solo sometimes i'll put up some kind of you know square wavy synthy you know synthesizery thing with a little portamento in it um and i'm not particular about synthesizer solos uh because there are not that many people who play really great ones but 
I don't mind them at all when they are played great, and and it doesn't. It's not. It's no different than playing an organ solo to me. It, it, it's funny though, isn't it? Because it's almost like they're unacceptable. I've got this one, which is I, I'm not sure many people will enjoy this, but I wanted to play it because George Duke's playing it, and it's one of his finest. Well, um, there's one of the guys. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's one of the guys. George Duke there on the Arp Odyssey. Yeah. Playing with Frank Zappa Band uh, and, and a live performance of Inca Roads, which is off the. Uh, what is it off? It's off the. Uh, One Size Fits All. One Size Fits All. Ruth Underwood on Marimba, Chester Thompson, George Duke. And I was watching that and I was thinking, crikey, that. that that was really weird because, I mean, that was like a super group of kind of amazing musicians who presumably were being paid to tour with essentially, you know, I mean, Zappa is, I don't know, if, he's a contemporary composer, isn't it? And watching them play that, because when you hear it on the record, you think, oh, it's all kind of freeform and jamming, but the whole thing was orchestrated. And that solo, I'm pretty damn sure, was exactly the same on the record, unless that is the actual rec- record recording. So it's all completely nailed, the whole lot of it. I think George. I think George is improvising the solo, but it's the same as the one on the it's record. Very I mean, similar. It's very similar. Very yeah. similar. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. there's a piano solo that either precedes or follows it. I don't remember. It starts with Rhodes. I think that bit, that fast seven four thing. I think starts with Rhodes, and then he switches to the arp at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, George is one of those guys who can solo on spoons and blow yeah. you away. So. Uh, well, I remember all that stuff with him and um, Stanley Clark and all those kind of funk synth solos. I mean, he was the man, you know, and I don't, it just doesn't seem like you're allowed to do it. Although um, Decker says uh, DX7 solos by Mike Lindup of Level 42 uh, could be okay. What about you, PJ? You're a keyboardist. Do you find yourself having to, I don't know, strap your fingers together or you tell yourself off, no, no, it's not appropriate, but you can't stop yourself or, you know, you asked to? How does it work? Uh, well, these days I'm not doing a whole lot of live playing, so when I feel like playing a synthesizer solo, I'll just do it. I'll just dial up a sound and start playing. Um, thanks to Dave and Chris over at GeForce, I find myself doing, <laughs> doing it a lot more these days than, than I had in, uh, in previous years. Um, but I tend to lean, <clears throat> I tend to lean live, uh, when I play towards pianoistic and organ sounds uh just because those are the types of groups i tend to find myself in uh playing either jazz blues or you know some some kind of derivative of that um as far as george duke is concerned uh there is a really fantastic interview with him on electronic music magazine's website under their podcasts i believe he was October or November's interview and he talks about playing with Frank Zappa and and uh, he talks about it very lovingly but you can hear his heart pounding fast and his breath uh, you know is starting to to go more rapidly as he discusses how absolutely difficult it was to learn those orchestrations and how everything had to be spot on and how Frank was just a, a, a taskmaster and would not let anything go he was he was one of those kind of guys who and you, you you get a sense of this from his from his um, autobiography as well. But one of those kind of guys that could hear absolutely everything that was going on on stage all of the time and would call everybody on it. 
including right yeah. in front of a live audience. He, I think it was in that interview that George Duke recalls a, a time when uh, Zappa literally stopped uh, them three minutes into a song and said, George messed up. We're going to start that again. <laughs> and he said that that absolutely never happened. And I mean, can you imagine George Duke getting castigated on stage? I mean, he's he's so amazing. Um, but he has he has a new album out that sort of return is his call to returning to his funk roots. He says so. He, he plays uh, amongst piano and Rhodes and and whatnot. There's a lot of you know tasty synthesizer stuff on there. So anybody that's a fan of George Duke should definitely check it out. Dave. You, what have you done? You've unleashed synth solos back on the world. Is that a good thing? Wait, as long as they're tasteful, aren't they? That's what all that matters. I you only get two this. beats. Two beats every 16 bar to do a little riff. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And then it's a drum solo. <laughs> 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 I mean, I think, I'll think i tell you what I think ruined the synth solos was things like D50 Sakahatches and stuff like that. And that um, what was that other one. That, that was what completely kind of killed it for me. But when you listen to people like George Duke, I've got an album of his, Brazilian Love Affair, which I still play to this day. People like Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock. I mean, uh, I've got an album by a guy called Ramsey Lewis, who's normally a pianist, but this is an old 70s album. And again, you know, those old kind of raw tones, they can sound fantastic. So, yes, that's my bit. As long as it's not done on a D50, probably acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or a DX7. But regarding the DX7, there were some guys who got really good with breath control uh, with the DX7 and who did some really incredible soloing. I once saw a guy named um, Mitchell Foreman playing with John McLaughlin in the mid-80s, and he was doing amazing solos on a DX7 with his breath controller. Um, so I don't necessarily think that the DX7 is well grouped in there with the D50, but I hear you in general. But mm. how about uh, how about Joe Zawinul and Weather Report or yeah uh, yeah absolutely right yeah. up to his death a few years ago and uh, always uh, every time he reached for a synthesizer something cool was about to happen. It's it's weird though, isn't it? It's n it is not allowed. I mean, you know, you just don't hear it anywhere. There's no there's nowhere for it to go anymore. You know that whole that's what I was trying to say about the Zappa band because that Zappa was huge internationally. I mean, I don't know what that I mean, at least in my sphere. I don't know whether that means he was massive or whether he just made enough. To, you know. But doing that kind of music and Weather Report were huge as well. And that's just all gone. You know, there's no, it's not cool. You know, there's not much of that stuff going on anymore. So there's, the solo is kind of not really happening. You know, it's all back to guitar solos. In fact, that's there's a fantastic guitar solo in that Inca Rage thing as well, which is absolutely yeah. beautiful. Another Zappa is a brilliant soloist. Some of those there's guys not- are kind of, are keeping that movement alive, but there, it doesn't seem to be... You know, I mean, I don't. I'm not exactly sure because it's it's a little before my time how how prevalent it was, you know, in the in the public consciousness. The Herbie Hancock, Chick Corea, the whole the whole fusion movement in the in the poppier side of that, like Weather Report and whatnot. But I, I it, these days it seems like it's just some of those guys that have been around forever are still kind of keeping that alive. I mean, Herbie's still touring and Chick is still touring, uh, and they're I think they're still doing really amazing you know, forward thinking, relevant stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it's just not as prominent. Maybe it's just out of my scope anyway, but anyway, keyboard solo, when is keyboard solo? Uh, uh, okay. So I, th- I say Frank Zappa equals acceptable if it's George Duke. Um, and, uh, well, that was about it really. I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I, I was thinking that we could link the Scarby bass into funk brothers. 
or the Funk Brothers into Scarby Bass. Or after Jamerson or whatever you want to do. Yeah, well, the Funk Brothers. This, funnily enough, the Funk Brothers came up because um, a chap who came in to do some carpentry in my house is a chap called John Griffiths, who's a, an old mate of mine. He was a guitarist, brilliant guitarist. Uh, he's also a carpenter. Uh, and he said, did you ever see that documentary about the Funk Brothers? And I was going, no. And he told me this funny story about James Jameson, who was uh, apparently um, played on What's Going On. Um, uh, and They were doing a session late at night, and they had to go and get him from the local bar. And he went to the local bar and said, come on, it's your turn to play. And he played the bass line lying on his back, just on the floor, just sort of to, to that track, and, which, and it was the cut, and that was it. And then I started looking into it a little bit more, and it was just kind of quite interesting. And I just wanted to play, there's an episode, there's a little excerpt here with uh, James Jameson Jr. Well, the most important point of that, my father taught me, uh, when I'm playing, if I don't feel it, don't play it. And, you know, a lot of guys would just play it straight. And with no feeling, but he, he would play it like... something in it he just felt life you know that life was music and uh he used to tell this story like uh this one song he did he saw a fat woman walking down the street and just heard her butt going from boom to boom to boom that's that's what that was his interpretation of music so he put music to just about anything that that had life to it of course uh james jameson died i think it was must have been um is it 1980 sort of you know, he was an alcoholic and didn't really get the recognition for all of that stuff. But there was that whole band, the Funk Brothers, which were kind of responsible for all those classic Motown bits of music. And I wondered um, whether anybody had um, had any thoughts on that. Rich, I suspect they might have figured somewhere in your musical history. It's true. It's true. Well, because of my relationship with Bernard Edwards, really, uh, I became much more aware of Jamerson because he was a huge influence on Bernard. And... Uh, and th- that's when I really started going back and re-listening to the uh, Motown stuff and, and seeing what was being done there in the bass. And it was just brilliant. And uh, as I was just saying on the chat room, there's something about bass players from South Carolina. Um, you've got Jamerson, you've got Bernard Edwards, you've got Jerry Barnes, who plays in Chic now. And uh, I don't know, there's something, maybe it's in the greens, but uh, there's something going on there because it's just amazing, tasteful, funky you know, good feeling bass playing going going on, and uh, I, I think very very highly. I think Jamerson was defining style. Yeah. He played with one finger as well. I didn't realize that. Yeah. There's a little shot of him, and it's just his finger kind of like whipping over the strings, and you just think, how is that possible? I mean, this is a really fast track. I just don't believe it. It was amazing, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that Rich said, really, and more, are beyond reproach. I mean, for me, it was massive, massive influence. My brother-in-law, who I used to go out, uh, his bass plays the Amy Winehouse one, and he's now with Mark Ronson. And uh, we used to go out as a rhythm section uh, in the sort of 80s, 90s. And uh, Jameson was his kind of complete hero. So it taught me loads and loads, not only about bass playing and also programming bass as well. Um, but also drumming, you know, because you just got to play against these fantastic grooves and feel, just feel beyond reproach. And, when, and you know, uh, I noticed some of the guys in the chat room had managed to get hold of these multi-track masters. When you listen to, uh, as I heard it on the grapevine, and also um, what's going on and stuff like that. I mean, just amazing, amazing. So, yeah, amazing. Mm. Fanboy. Good stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, house bands. There's quite a lot of them about, actually. The, the Meters were a house band for a record company for a while, weren't they? I forget what the name of the record was, but uh, now they got a really amazing sound. Well, PJ, did, um, d- d- did you have anything to add? Uh, I think the only thing I'd add, because I agree with everything everybody said, and for me, Motown was a, is remains a huge source of inspiration, and that documentary... Uh, which I believe is called in the in the shadow of Motown uh, is yeah, fantastic. Okay. So anybody that yeah. hasn't seen it, check it out. It's just yeah, it's amazing. Oh, I'd um, love to, yeah. But the only thing that I'd <clears throat> I'd add is just that it, for me, when I play in a group, if I, if I have to play in a group that's slightly imbalanced, you know, if 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 I'd gotten hired to play in a group or or join a group for a limited engagement that's slightly imbalanced, the thing that I always pray for is a good bass player. <laughs> Because there's nothing like playing with a great bass player. It just it defines everything I do on stage, and I think it's just I, I, I've been really fortunate to know. And this made me think, you know, reading this and and sort of reminiscing about watching that that documentary made me think about how many fantastically talented and accomplished musicians there are out there that have gone underappreciated over the years. I mean, I, I know, I know at least a dozen of them that are just amazing amazing talents and nobody knows who they are that's a really funny um thing that i came across while i was looking into this and it's uh, uh on baseland.net there's a whole series of um pages on information on james jameson and it's run by a guy called bob lee who uh, i think put together uh, a biography uh, of james jameson and while he was doing it he was researching and there, apparently there there's there's a conflict because uh, carol Kay apparently has also said that she played bass on quite a lot of the records that Jameson is credited to uh, have have done. And it's this really weird kind of story where she says, yeah, I did Mountain High Enough, I did this, I did that, I did that. And nobody um, supports her on this. It's this really strange kind of um, mm. mismatch between uh, between what was what, what happened and what was said to have happened and what she says happened. I don't know what's going on there, but it was quite, it's quite fascinating. If you read, um, if you go over to the baseland.net site and have a look, poke around, there's a whole kind of cataloging. He talks about it quite in depth, but I, I really wasn't prepared for that, I thought. But if that's the case, it's no wonder that he was underappreciated. They well, had a hard either, life, didn't they? It's, it's either yeah. true or it's one of those situations like Bernard Purdy and the Beatles. <laughs> Have you ever heard, you know, you've heard uh, that Bernard Purdy apparently runs around telling people that he played on Beatles records. And really? uh, Jeff, Jeff Emmerich <laughs> vehemently denies this. Yeah, it's true. That, really? So, uh, it's true. He's never said this to me. He ah, said it to people wow. I know. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and you don't. And then he, I think Emmerich even mentions it in his book. I'm not sure if he does, ah. but I've read I've I've read somewhere that it's just not true. And um, now, but, you, uh, you know, Bernard Purdy pretty well, Rich. You, no, you I know him. Bernard. I've never met oh. Bernard Purdy. Oh, okay. I I actually did meet him once, and ah. the sense the sense I got from he was doing a drum clinic here in Minneapolis, and the sense that I got from him is that he's he might just be that kind of guy, the kind of guy that just likes to tell really tall tales. Well, he's got. Haven't you ever seen? There's a documentary I've seen, and I just remember there was a shot of him, and he's playing the drums. And whenever he goes into a session, he's got this little kind of placard that he puts up: "You are playing with the greatest." <laughs> <laughs> and I and I did see. I saw him at Nam, and it's a brilliant character, and it's great. And I saw him at Nam. He was doing like a little snare drum workshop, and he's a fantastic drummer. I mean, oh, yeah. really fantastic. But he's also a great character. So I don't know if there's a little bit of that going on. I mean, obviously, I he must be pretty smart as well, because he knows people are going to remember him if he's a bit of a, 
a kind of loud character, you know? I mean, he's... Because he's... Invent, you know, the Purdy Shuffle and all that, that's his sort of gig, isn't it? The, the little feet and all of that sort of stuff. You know, that's something that he did or is claimed to have done. And I guess there may be some uh, similar kind of maybe rivalry or was between Carol and um, James about who kind of invented that particular, you know, a particular approach to playing the bass. I don't know. You know, Bernard Purdy is amazing, but he's no Ringo Starr. <laughs> <laughs> That's true enough. Well, there you go. Apparently, neither was Ringo, according to Emmerich's book. Paul was, Paul, they're constantly telling Ringo what to play. Yeah. <laughs> Paul right. sneaking into the studio and redoing his tracks. Yeah, right. basically. Or sitting down yeah. and showing him. Yeah. <laughs> or playing them himself. Yeah, oh. that does rather neatly tie us into the Scarby bass demo, which has been on the playlist, been on the topic list for some weeks now. For uh, Rich posted it in and then wasn't able to make it, and it's just got squeezed out. So I'm going to get it in before the end of the year, just to prove that I haven't forgotten about you, Rich. <laughs> There we go. That was a Scarby bass dummy. That is, in fact, uh, I think it's a contact based instrument with loads of kind of fancy scripting and key switching and all this kind of amazing stuff and it's got a great i rather mistakenly said it was a steinberg bass because that's the shape of the screen but the black bass is in fact what is it rich it's a music man uh it's music not a stingray okay. it's the next one smaller than a stingray i don't recall the name uh he did actually start to do the stingray which is what bernard actually played and uh he found he got closer to the tone using this thing ah, so, okay so uh, this is a Music Man bass. I can't remember the name of the model, but it's not the Stingray. And uh, he's got amped four different amped versions as well that are that are done through amps. There's over four thousand samples in his bass patch, Jeez. which is one of the reasons why it's so unbelievably expressive. Once you get the hang of it, it's it's incredible. You can- do you, do you use it? Oh yeah, yeah yeah. It's been in movies and stuff. I used it on the uh, semi pro movie last year, the Will Ferrell basketball movie. Uh, okay. I use it. I use it wherever I can. Uh, it's a bit in contact. It's a bit of a CPU hog on my machine, so I tend. To, uh, sometimes I'll I'll work it in at the end rather than work with it along the way because sometimes it kind of slows me down because it's so big. It's but it's for anybody with a current computer, it'll be no problem, and it's unbelievable. Rob G wants to know how long does it take to load? On my G five, it takes about actually on the pc as well it takes probably 15 seconds to load okay it's not so bad um the other thing that he does there as well there's some amazing things aren't there there's he's got there's some really good um wicked electric pianos and clavinets and stuff really good samples in fact one of the electric piano is endorsed by none other than mr george duke what a strange coincidence hey and me and me as well by the way i use his keyboard his keyboards are unbelievable that Rhodes right. is without peer 
And the clavinets are great. The the whirly's great. He's Thomas is just once you meet him, you realize he's just this person who's completely dedicated to this process. Um, and now people are famous. People are hiring him to come to their places and make custom sample sets for them and stuff. That would that would make sense to have someone like him come and and do something that only you could have. Yeah. Dave, you're what do you make of his stuff? Have you have you got any of his things? I haven't, no, but I do know that, you know, I mean, everybody holds all of their instruments in high esteem. Um, weirdly enough, I started out on the EVP AEA, and then I went to the Lounge Lizard. So I might I might give this a go and give it a try, but I thought the bass sounded great. I love the, um, you know, the two-note slides and the trills and stuff like that. All of those sensibilities, brilliant, brilliant. It's mm. what we need. Yes, yeah. good expressiveness. PJ, you got any of their stuff? I do. I own the Scarby J Slap and Finger, <clears throat> which is the pre- predecessor to the product that Rich is discussing. Um, uh-huh. And my and I love it. I use it. I use it all the time. I use it for just about just about everything that needs you know that kind of bass. That just a, a nice uh, funky you know funky bass. But what I wanted to know, and maybe Rich knows the answer to this, is is that the same sample set? that went into the black bass or is that a completely different completely revamped sample set these are all new samples these are all new samples okay yeah well you know yeah they didn't exist in the preceding product okay i believe the j bass is a fender jazz bass that's right it is yep you're right it's it's a precision isn't it yeah maybe it's a p bass i don't know um but i believe it's a fender bass whereas this thing is is the music man bass and he's going to do a blue bass and some other bass. He's going to do this too. Takes him forever to do these because he's just so meticulous. And he'll get like, he's, it's like that story about Michelangelo a year and a half in painting the whole thing white and starting over. Like Thomas will go like six months of sampling and say, I just realized something that's going to make the whole thing better. And he'll start the entire thing. Oh, Jesus. And uh, he's, he's that kind of guy, though. He's completely dedicated to his product and he's got a, he's just a, got such high integrity as a person i uh think very highly of him hey look who's here i've got mark who's here? i'm gonna go get him hey. hello hello mark you made it i did nice to you to join us you missed most of the topics but it's great to have you along um i'm sorry that you got stuck in the multi-story car park that sounds like a nightmare around christmas time in the shopping mall actually <clears throat> oh no man because i went to pay for the car parking and i was thinking oh it's nice and you know empty in here today considering it's just before christmas and then i got to queue up for the um the car parking machine and there was a massive queue and i got all the way to the front of it only to find out that it didn't take cards oh, no. and i didn't have any money and then i found out that the bank was right on the other side of the mall so i walked all the way to so it added 40 minutes onto my journey actually well, I'm glad you could make it with us anyway. And um, Mark Tinley, of course, um, my uh, can be found at funnymachine.com and Aspergeneering, uh, where I did check out your podcast, which was with Bruce, Bruce Music, that interview you did. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Well, you're, you're here just in time for the next topic, and the next topic happens to be All I Want for Christmas Is, which is obviously quite um, apt, because this is the last show before Christmas. So who wants to go first? Who wants what for Christmas? Ah, quite honestly, all I really want for Christmas is good health and good cheer. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good, a pretty good thing. I know that's probably not what you, not what you were looking for, but (laughs) I've heard there's a good plugin that does that. Yeah, I wish there were. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. I'd like a little more time. 
uh, I'd like. Uh, I think I actually asked this last year on the show. I think you asked did, for yeah. an extra, extra day in the week. That would be really fantastic. Um, no, you know what I really do need is, and I, I'm going to do this after the new year. I need to make some long overdue, not repairs, but my piano needs conditioning, and so I'm going to have that done. So I think that'll be that'll be the Christmas gift this year. Ah, okay. Yep, it needs to have its uh, hammers reaction, and they need to be the felts need to be filed down, and uh, the strings need to be cleaned. So I think that that'll be Sounds what like happens a big job. this year for Christmas. Yeah, it is. Because you didn't you get like a piano humidor last year? I a, did. Yeah, and, yeah. Good memory. I did. My my parents in law gave me a new a new humidor for the piano last year, which is uh, fantastic. Working really well. Excellent. <laughs> I want a camera that works. Yeah. I've been buying, I keep buying digital cameras, and the last one I bought was a Kodak one with 12 megapixels or something, and it's absolutely rubbish, and it just doesn't take good photographs at all, and I think, I've been talking to my brother Richard about it, who's a bit of an expert on photography, and what he's basically saying is that as they put more and more pixels into these small capture devices, then their ability to collect light decreases so although you have more pixels you end up with more noise so he's saying there's a sort of a trade-off between on a, on a cheaper quality lens there's a trade-off between the amount of pixels and and what's really going to work to sort of give you better quality so he reckons somewhere about seven megapixels is about as many as you need yeah, you need to get an SLR, because some of those SLRs are wonderful. There's a new Sony one, A something or other, which is kind of like two or three hundred quid, and it's supposed to be really, really good, and it's just incredibly good price and got a great lens on it. I don't know much about cameras. I tend to only use the one on my phone, to be honest. But um, oh, I don't have a camera on my phone, do I? The, now I've gone iPhone, I've now lost the <laughs> snapshot ability of the Nokia N95, which was broken anyway. <laughs> Oh well, <laughs> uh, which is why I bought the last camera that I bought. But I'm, I, I want something I can put in my pocket that's telephone size that I can just pull out my pocket and do snapshots with. So I'm there's a there's a little Sony apparently that's good, the little compact Sony. I can't remember what it's called, but I saw it in the PC Pro Mag um, that I got recently, and they say everybody goes, yeah, this is one of the best, and I don't think it's expensive. Cyber, it's a little tiny cyber shot, and it has to be able that's... to shoot movies as well. I expect it does. All right, well, I hope you get that. Um, what about Dave Spears? What would you like for Christmas? Um, I quite like a browner microphone, please, if anyone's listening. Uh, I'd like an OBX. That would be quite nice. Not the OBXA, but the OBX I'd quite like. Um, okay. And a list of people that have irritated me this year that I'd like struck by lightning, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's not very kind of... Uh, that's not... Cheer, cheer and goodwill. <laughs> it's about as likely as finding an OBA. <laughs> a fistful of retribution, please, for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> nice. Uh, I saw somebody, uh, somebody on Facebook that uh, happens to be linked up with me said, uh, I want to give uh, Christmas cheer to all my friends and most of my family, which seemed like a really pointed and unnecessary thing to say. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> which I want to know more, you know? It's like really intriguing. <laughs> yes, uh, my favourite one is that uh, was it champagne for my real friends and real pain for my sham friends. <laughs> <laughs> Something for the Christmas card, perhaps. Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> Rich Hilton, how about you? Uh, my Christmas list is short. Um, new sunglasses. 
new grill surfaces for my Weber Performer grill. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a piece of music that a friend of mine created, uh, an album uh, by my buddy Tommy Zvoncheck, and uh, I'm going to get that for Christmas. And then beyond that, it's the stuff PJ, the, the fluffy stuff PJ said about good health for my children, um, you know, uh, easy times for them, and uh, hopefully uh, continued work <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. If I may be selfish for it about it for a moment. Yeah, just a job for life, please. Well, I don't know what I want for Christmas. I don't know. I was talking before we went on air that um, I've discovered when I was about to book my hotel, uh, book my flight to Nam, that I've got loads of air miles sitting around, and I was trying to figure out a way that I could dump them all into the ticket buying and get myself bumped up to upper class for my flight over and back for, to LA. Um, sadly, I can't quite accomplish this because the thing is, you spend your air miles on the actual on the ticket, you pay extra tax on the value of that ticket so you pay like 250 quid extra tax each way which kind of makes it a little bit less of a, of a deal but i don't know it's still a lot cheaper so i'm wondering whether i might treat myself to a certainly upper class flight on the way over so that when i get there i'm not so tired we had this conversation last year didn't we it was yeah, exactly the same conversation. Oh, no, how yes. sad. <laughs> and we both wanted first-class air tickets to NAM, if no. I remember correctly. That's right. I've just remembered. You know, at this time of year, all the, it got, my, whole, my whole being is just filled up with NAMness. You know, I've got, I've, on Monday, I sent out all the kind of, we're coming to NAM, book your appointments now. So I'm, all I'm doing is concentrating on the diary. I'm also kind of making sure that all the technology is going to work. I'm thinking about, you know, I've got to phone the, um, the hotels I want to get into on Monday because the NAM Housing Association releases them and they might have some rooms in the place I do want to stay rather than somewhere I don't want to stay. You know, all of this stuff. I'm just totally living and breathing it and it's terrible because this time of year is the, the year that I have, I start having those nightmares where I wake up um, because I, I get to NAM and I realise I just didn't pack anything at all. I've got like a, no clothes, my laptop's at home, I forgot my video camera, I haven't got anything, you know, and I get these kind of anxiety dreams about it. So that's probably not surprising. I can identify that. I can I mean, but looking at it, it might be quite good because um, fairly soon, I think these things are going to be a thing of the past. You hear that Apple announced they're no longer going to be doing Mac Expo in uh, in January. This is the last year coming up, which is kind of, yeah, which is a pretty big deal, isn't it? Do you know what my goal was? What's I've, got, goal? I've got a big vision board above my bed and I've got a goal. And my goal is to be the keynote speaker at Mac Expo 2010, right? <laughs> And there's not going to be one. Oh, well, that's a bummer, Mark. But, I mean, it might well signify the um, the change, you know, that's going to be happening. Because as everybody starts to think about costs, maybe we'll all sit at home and peddle our wares from our webcams. <laughs> or something like that. Which might work, I don't know. You could only see so many people in a day, though, couldn't you? And you'd also be going, oh, no, I've got to go now. I fancy a cup of tea or whatever. And whereas at NAM, you just got to get it all done. It's the energy that, that it infuses in you. Am I right, Dave? You are indeed. Yes. Every year I dread it. I kind of go, oh, God, another year. I don't know how many years this is going to be. It's going to be a lot. But when you get there, you're just like, you're so caught up in the whirlwind, aren't you? And it is. It's always a good, it's always a good event, particularly the bar. <laughs> and the margaritas. Say, isn't it the beer? Isn't the and whole margaritas. Thing- margaritas, not the beer. I really, really want to try and create a bit of space for some social this time because it's just such a slog. I quite like a bit of room. Anyway, I'm not moaning about that. Anyway, let's stop. I'll stop. I'll stop talking about all of that. But anyway, that's that's our Christmas topic out of the way because um, obviously oh. Christmas is coming. Uh, and of course, if you want some Christmasness, 
you can always find them over at the Garatan um, Personal Orchestra website, isn't it? The Garatan uh, Sound website, where they every year they do a kind of user-submitted uh, arrangements of Christmas tunes. I don't know what the current crop is. Rich, you you got the newsletter. Have you had a chance to check them out? I'm sorry to say I haven't yet. I did. I did at one point collate like the first three or four CDs worth onto an MP3 disc that I typically will shove in at some point on Christmas and just let run in my living rooms and have a nice undertone of unusual Christmas music. Ah, uh, yes, I've got, I found this uh, new KDFC Christmas station on my uh, Rock You Sandbridge internet station, and that plays kind of, you know, all of those Christmassy, classical Christmassy things and some nice classical pieces, and I turn that on when when we're cooking Christmas dinner and uh, and just, I've been listening to it a bit this year to try and get me into the festive spirit. Hasn't worked yet, but it's still it's a, it's a nice one. I mix in some Oscar Peterson Christmas, and my friend Dan Moretti, uh, sax player, uh, has a Christmas album, and I, I mix in other people's Christmas music as well. Well, I think it's a big part of Christmas. Christmas music, a few Christmas... I might go to a carol, a carol um, service as well, because I haven't done that for a long time, and I think my daughter would really enjoy it, because she's never been to one either, and I think she'd quite like the whole sensation. Mm. Um, I think on that sort of Christmassy note, I'm probably going to... Call it a call it a day because we could go into the um, edit audio thing, but to be honest, I'm running out of steam um, and I, I my voice is going, so I don't think I'm going to be able to get any more in. But I would like to say thank you very much to all my guests. Uh, certainly, let's let's start with the chat the chat roomies. So thank you very much to everybody for sticking with us um, as we get our live streaming up and running. And a, a happy Christmas to you all. And we'll see you back on January the seventh, uh, where we'll be. Probably doing some pre-NAM stuff, I'd imagine. And also to my local guests, or my, at least my local virtual guests, uh, first of all, uh, Rich Hilton, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, I hope your week isn't too stressful as you try and shoehorn all that project work in before the Christmas break. Thank you very much. I'm sure it'll be fine, and uh, wishing happy holidays and a happy new year to everybody. Likewise. And PJ Tracy, uh, also... Uh, Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, same to you. Happy Christmas, mate, and thanks for hanging in there with us and continuing to be around, as with all of you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's an ongoing honor to be a part of this group. I just would like to say that. Uh, I am always humbled and, and awed at everybody's experience and, and what they bring to the table, and I very much appreciate being part of this discussion. And uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season. And I hope next year, even though the outlook is dire worldwide, I just hope next year is better for everybody than this one. Oh, thanks, PJ. That's a lovely thing to say. Thank you very much. And uh, Dave Spears, G4 Software. I hope you, uh, your Christmas is going to be good and you can fight off the lurgy and we'll see you through the other side. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. And uh, yeah, best uh, all the best for 2009 and have a great Christmas. And oh, I, I've got to plug something, actually. Sorry. We're doing a, a kind of podcast because we've got a load of um, great tunes come in from people who've used our stuff. And I'm hoping it's going to be up Monday. So go and listen to it. And that's my Christmas present to everybody. Oh, brilliant. Well, send us a link and we'll put, the, we'll put it in the news, the news service. And Mark, I know last in... But, and last out. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm sorry you couldn't make it earlier. I know you did your best, and uh, I really hope that you have a great Christmas too. I'm, yeah, I'm, I feel like I've arrived late, walked away with a, a, a nice camera for a Christmas present, contributed absolutely nothing value <laughs> to today's podcast. Um, but I love being here, and happy holidays to everybody. 
I will be on time for the next one. And yeah, thank you very much for having me because as with everyone else, it's a pleasure and I love doing this. Well, great. And I'll just like to finish that off with the, the, the wheel back on the 7th of January, which is the Wednesday after New Year's Day. And once again, thank you to all my guests. I very much appreciate your continued involvement. I know you're all busy people. So thanks one again. That was Sonic Talk number 112 live. Are you happy?